Hello, welcome to Larry's Techie Musings. This is, I want to say, episode 18, um, season 1. At some point, I guess I'll have to start a season 2. It's really kind of arbitrary because I'm just a guy talking into an iPad sitting in a room. <laughs> so, season 1 can have 300 podcasts. Who knows? Maybe it will. Uh, Anyway, I hope everybody's doing okay. I am doing a second pod tonight. I just did one on search a little while ago. I thought I would, feeling a little bit productive, so I thought I would do one on banking. Digital banking. So, uh, today is January 27th. It's uh, about a little, about 7.30, Hope everyone is doing okay, safe and comfortable, uh, and trying to take care of themselves. Hopefully try to avoid the COVID if you can. Anyway, uh, this pod today is going to be a little bit of a breakdown of kind of digital banking in terms of where it is in terms of the industry, a little bit about fintech. And we can go from there. So so basically when I talk about, I'm going to talk about banks for a second, what they generally are. This is going to be pretty high level stuff. But banks obviously usually are big financial institutions, right? Um, they are organizations, typically private, sometimes public-private hybrids. Uh, that you've got the big ones like Wells Fargo, and then smaller down the line, maybe more community banks, and then even smaller than that, maybe credit unions. Some of them have you know, more social goals in mind. Some of them are just about maximizing profits. Some of them are about you know, protecting you know, the firefighters, local 157th bank of you know, Manhattan. Kind of making that up, but hopefully it's close to something resembling reality. So anyway, these are organizations that generally they're they're generally are in the business of taking in customers' deposits and then collecting those deposits, paying back a certain amount of interest, right? So maybe you give them ten dollars, they give you one percent a year. Um, you get your ten cents, you're happy, and then they loan that money out, right? So maybe they gave they do mortgage loans, right? So at 3% or whatever it is now, all kinds of other financial transactions. I'm not really an expert on the various financial machinations of banks. I mean, I know the obvious ones like deposits, savings, all kinds of savings and checking accounts. Obviously, there's credit cards where you're basically short-term borrowing money at a very high interest rate. Um, You know, most of them, at least the ones that I'm aware of, do typically... Home, home loans, uh, and then you can often, the big ones will also often be involved in, you know, other assets such as, um, say, cars. But basically big organizations that at the very at a very basic level collect deposits from customers and then for the, for the honor of being able to hold on to that money for the medium term, they will pay a interest rate, the the money in those accounts is usually and I only can speak for the U.S. here, but as FDIC insured, FDIC insured, FDIC. I did say that right. 
up to 250000 so if something happens, you can your money is safe, at least up to that amount. Uh, so, so typically, consumers don't have to worry. Uh, and basically, that's kind of the building block, right? And then these organizations, up until recently, did most of their... Originally, did all the transactions face-to-face. So up until, say, the mid-late 80s, till ATM machines came out, you wanted to do something in a bank, you had to go in, right? Maybe you made a phone call. Everything was done via check or face-to-face, letters, etc. ATMs come around in the early or late 80s, early 90s. Initially, very basic stuff like getting money. At a certain point, you could, you know, maybe deposit checks. Now I know you can buy stamps and transfer money and, you know, all kinds of crazy things, right? I think you can make, you think you can give money to charities at, at ATMs. And obviously now in the day and age of COVID, where we have to stay away from each other as much as we can. These um, these are more useful. Uh, and then more, even more recently, uh, in the last, say, 15 years, as technology allowed, we've really gotten into more, I'll call it digital banking. So as we had computers, computers got on the internet, we had phones, phones got on the internet, we have apps, right? Suddenly there's all these ways to basically access from a consumer standpoint, access and manage your money, right? So I have a Wells Fargo account. I can download an app or I can go to their web page, right? Um, from, a, from a, say, laptop or a desktop computer, I can go to their web page. From my phone, I can download the app. I can do a relatively complex amount of financial transactions. So I can transfer money from one institution to another. I can pay a bill. I can, you know, get my tax documents. I can do this. I can do that. So the mo- most most major transactions, at least the ones that I'm aware of, can be done digitally now. Um, you can even apply for loans without going into a bank, right? So you can just call or do it all online. Um, the applications fill out the fill out the information that you know, maybe somebody calls you to to finalize it, et cetera, et cetera. So. That is what I mean when I say digital banking is basically everything done electronically. You know, all of all of the transactions can be done more and more electronically. And even now they're that the apps themselves have kind of gotten into the customer service business as well. So it's pretty typical these days. If you were to use if you were to need help, say looking for something or you want to dispute a credit card charge or whatever, you can go to your app. You can you could call someone, you could send an email, you could also maybe even just engage a chatbot, right? So this is fully automated. So now you're going to a banking app, you're downloading it or you're opening it, you're somehow you know maybe clicking on help or you're doing something to indicate that you need help, and maybe uh, a search parameter comes up and says what do you need help with, and you 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 want you type in you key in or you use your voice and you say I want to dispute a transaction. Um, and then a chatbot comes up. It may or may not be a real person. Uh, a lot of times, for the simple and even the moderately moderately complex features, it can be fully automated because it's relatively routine and not that complex in terms of the needs. And you can say disputed transaction. So at a certain point, a person will get involved. Probably, maybe if a transaction is being, you know, you issue a, a dispute. Essentially, the way I would think about it is a, a dispute is logged in a database somewhere that says. I didn't pay for this, you know, this car in Vegas at two in the morning on a Saturday, right? That was a 
that was a fake charge. That was a fraud, a fraudster. Um, but basically, it's all done electronically. So you have just growing capabilities. Now, um, these can be, as I said, I started out with the sort of basic building blocks, that is to say a bank, right? You can even with these with a, with a lot of the banks, you can even get into a certain level of investment products. So maybe you open an investment account and you're you know buying and selling stocks. Again, chances are you don't actually have to talk to anyone when you do that. Maybe that's good or bad, but I'm just saying as a capability, it's it's pretty standard these days. You know, through an app or what have you. Uh, now to go beyond the banks themselves, and I, I'm I'm lumping credit unions in with banks. Um, conceptually here, again, at these organizations that collect, at a baseline level, collect customer deposits, pay interest, and then use that money to engage in various products, right? Um, now, beyond that, you have the sort of, the quote, fintech, the rise of the fintech, um, which is an interesting and growing, growing area. And I'll probably do a separate one on that, but when I say fintechs, I mean financial technology companies. Um, so they're not really banks. They're sort of hybrid. Some of them start out as hybrids and choose to be, you know, get bank charters at a certain point so they can, they can do what banks do because they want to pursue those commercial opportunities. But basically, your PayPal's, your Square's. Like Square, for example, is a, well, started out as a, you know, essentially a plug-in, you, you buy a little feature, it plugs into the iPhone, it looked like a square, hence the name, and then you could, they could, a vendor could take credit cards to pay for, um, pay for whatever, right, pay for your dog shampoo, or your massage, or whatever, um, without needing the whole infrastructure of credit card processing, which can be pretty expensive, and I think that Square just takes like a 2% fee. Whatever, I'm not really an expert, but I understand conceptually how it works. Now, Square has other products and features. Um, I know that they have something called the Cash App, which I've looked into, but basically is a card. You can use it to pay. It's, it's sort of like pseudo-currency, pseudo-credit card. You you load money on it, use it to pay for things. I think um, I've heard a lot of Joe Rogan ads for it. You know, you build up a certain amount, you get free coffees or whatever, right? But basically, they're now getting into the sort of financial space. Um, there's a lot happening with cryptocurrency, uh, and I'm, I'm not a cryptocurrency person per se, but I, I mean, I am aware of it. And I think that, I think Square as a company has just kind of a big stake. They just bought a lot of cryptocurrency and maybe you can do trading with that. I'm actually not really sure. Um, PayPal, I think is in the same kind of business. And actually, now that I think about it, the Cash App... Maybe Square or maybe PayPal. Oh, PayPal has Venmo, right? So now you're getting into basically peer-to-peer -peer financial transactions, kind of bypassing the bank. So in a way that cryptocurrency is meant to have currency that bypasses a country, say, because there's no underlying authority. Peer-to-peer um, -peer financial transactions through... Um, through features like Venmo, you know, I want to pay the babysitter five, $50, so I just Venmo them, right? Or maybe the big, the, the more established banks have Zelle, which is basically meant to compete with Venmo. Uh, and it's the same thing where you, you tether a 
say, a, a phone number or an email address, whatever you're validated, you can do instant transmission, instant transactions, right? It's kind of like an instant wire minus any fees. Um, and that's a space that's really evolving, and I think that you have a fair amount of natural competition between the banks and the um, the the startup, the more startupy fintechs. You also have peer-to-peer -peer lending, and I'm not I don't have a ton of expertise in this area, but basically, these companies that are you know coming out and I um like the Lending Club and companies like that. And I know that some, I think there's one that just went public, maybe SoFi. And SoFi may have just gone after their banking charter. But basically at a certain point you have maybe a company that comes up as a peer-to-peer -peer lender and now decides at a certain point, hey, I want to collect deposits too because that will give me access to more capital, which I can then lend to more people. Or then I can, you know, I can start SoFi car lending or SoFi mortgage or, you know, whatever. So now at a certain point, you have sort of these these different companies chasing after different, you know, the same sort of set of products. Um, so in some ways, you have financial institutions go, you know, evolving to become more focused on the the um, what the the more startupy fintech companies are doing, and then conversely, you have startupy fintech companies evolving to look more like banks because they want access to, you know, to customers' um, deposits and to those type of products. And it's all digital, right? So it's all can be on an app or on an iPhone or on, you know. If you even want, you could even consider an ATM digital because there's you know there's no person involved, um, but basically everything is happening electronically, and so it's an interesting evolving space. And then you have even more, I'll say, interesting overlapping features like cryptocurrency and such, which are you know coming in and certainly new and very actively changing ways. But yeah, that's kind of my my snapshot of. Um, of that particular area. I may do one just, I may do a deep dive just on fintechs and maybe pick a few just to, to deconstruct a little more, but I think that'll wrap up this app. So, or I mean this, um, this pod. So thanks for listening.